welcome to the In It Together podcast brought to you by Co-op and hosted by me, Yasmin Evans. In this episode, we're talking all things fair trade, the mission of getting to the bottom of where our shopping comes from. Joining me are food writer Tess Ward, speaker, chef and author of The Naked Diet and a Fair Trade Ambassador and Emily Pierce, Fair Trade Officer at Co-op, who's responsible for supporting the delivery and development of the Co-op Fair Trade Strategy. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, great to be here. I wanted to ask the question, if I could ask you, Emily, first, what is fair trade? It might sound simple, but maybe some of us need to kind of like really understand that term. Yeah, sure. And I completely understand. It's such a confusing landscape sometimes for customers to really understand, you know, how to shop and and what this means. So really, fair trade is more than a logo. You might be familiar with the blue and green or black and white logo that you can see on products of coffee or tea or other products. But it's actually much more than that. It's a movement for trade justice. And through the fair trade standards, the fair trade minimum price, the social premium, producer voice and campaigners, it's a movement that delivers a unique proposition to raise awareness of the impact of of global trade on producers around the world and the real need that there is to have a fairer system that ensures that the people who create the products that we love um, have a, a just and fair livelihood. Yeah. And Tess, what does the term fair trade mean to you personally? As Emily said, like fair trade, it's a structured organization orientating around supporting smaller cooperatives of funny co-op cooperatives um, <laughs> in various areas from, you know, Africa to uh, South America, all over the world, basically um, producing products from bananas, coffee, chocolate, you name it. And making sure that these people who are growing the products, the people working over the land, are being financially appreciated yeah. uh, enough and paid at least living standard uh, wage so that they can survive uh, in their industries. And I've always been really interested in where kind of food comes from. And for me, in terms of like the personal interest in fair trade and things like this, we have a, a very high standard, obviously, in the West of the type of food that we buy and sell and trade and whatever. And this high standard is also for people who work in coffee and, and chocolate and come from perhaps a less fortunate support system. So they don't have countries that will provide them with those kinds of benefits um, or any sort of re- remuneration if their crops fail. And for me, working with fair trade has not only been really insightful and in reinforcing the importance of provenance, but also in really kind of connecting on a deeper level to the food I eat and where it comes from. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think that's what a lot of us take for granted a lot of the time. And it gets to a point where, and I've had conversations with, you know, my friends and my peers and stuff, and it, it takes conversation of, like, I actually need to think about my health before people even start doing the research which it's quite scary because that might be years into someone's life before they really take note of where the food that they've been eating for 20 or so years is is really coming from what's the biggest misconception do you guys think that people have about the term fair trade you know because I think a lot of us we walk into the co-op we walk into a shop we see the fair trade logo just like you were saying Emily and we're like I know that's good but why and they might sort of come up with their own reasoning. 
What's the biggest misconception, do you think? Um, in my personal opinion, I think, and as a consumer myself, mm-hmm. um, and I've worked in ethics for over a decade now, there are so many different claims that a product might have. And so as a consumer, right. it can be really confusing. You know, you might see a, a, something else and think these are all kind of standards that mean the same thing. But from our point of view, and Co-op has been pioneering fair trade since it began in 1994, we know because we've spoken to producers themselves that fair trade is the movement that does the most for them Mm. because it's around empowering those producers and addressing that injustice in the global supply chain. Because it's a really sad fact that we, as, as has been said here, are fortunate and enjoy a lifestyle and standards of living and governance that people around the world who create the food or at the bottom of supply chains don't enjoy and don't have the same protections that we do. And certifications like fair trade exist to try and take responsibility and put that justice back into the supply chain. And I think what's really fundamental to know about the fair trade system is that it is really delivering a unique proposition because it's ensuring that farmers get a sustainable income for their crops. It's a safeguard in case the global market price drops below a sustainable level. And I think it's a really interesting point you made there about health because, you know, we're in a really unique situation right now, a global pandemic, and we're thinking a lot about health, but we're also thinking a lot about the economy But what's really important to remember, and we're thinking about key workers and we're thinking about people who work in uh, food factories differently and out in the farms differently. But if we consider key workers around the world, there are people working in small scale farming who don't have the kinds of protections that we do. And they deserve dignity. They deserve a fair wage. They deserve a fair price just as much as we do. And so for me, it's remembering that Fair trade is the is the gold standard of ethical certifications. And how do brands ensure safe working conditions? You know, where does it start? I mean, I can only answer this question based on on experience of kind of what I've seen in coffee and, and cocoa plantations. So I'm sure Emily can answer it better than I can. But ensuring a standard of quality is obviously the responsibility of the cooperative. But I think fair trade helps support the cooperative as a as a whole and make sure that within that they have kind of what they need um i suppose it's fair to say but it going back to what we said just before about health and then the ethical standard the one thing that i constantly am aware of is the zeitgeisty nature of new labels so like there are so many from you know gluten free to vegan whatever these are kind of lifestyle choices and diets that people adopt these are about an individual choice of the consumer, the end of the supply chain, whereas fair trade is about the entire opposite. It's about the producer at the beginning of the supply chain and is about looking after them. And I think the point which where people kind of go into a supermarket and they maybe make the choice to make buy the brand that they trust is about brand loyalty over awareness and enough information about what fair trade is about which makes them make that decision because the quality of fair trade products, and I can say this with absolute honesty, is f- far and above better as, as products um, to their kind of counterparts. And the price is not that different. So like to me, it just seems insane that people don't, do you know what I mean? 
I had this conversation today about having loyalty to to brands. I was talking about um, supermarkets, sort of like changing the name of things. And and we were like, it it tastes the same, you know, from all these different places. And I I think we are so programmed, you know, if we've been eating a certain cereal since we were a kid and we're like, right, well, that's the cereal that we're always going to have. And it really makes me laugh. And and I'm going off what you've just said, Tess, is more often than not, people say, oh, there's nothing better than having my mum's homemade cooking or, you know, oh, oh gosh, I, I grew my own lettuce, etc., etc." But when it comes to sort of some people's day-to-day shopping, um, they're not really looking for, like you say, the, the ones that, that taste better. The ones that are, this is going to sound corny, but honestly, it's like the love has poured into it because people, that's their their soul that's gone into the cocoa beans, the bananas, etc. And I mean, paying a little bit more for a bit of loving is, is great. <laughs> yeah, that's a really, really good point. And I think it's all about awareness at the end of the day, because nobody wants to buy something that was made exploiting someone else. No. Mm. And I think we've what you can really see is that there is such a loyal base and co-op, our customers are so loyal to fair trade, which is why we're, we're privileged here to, to champion it 25 years on. There are a lot of people that are questioning where their food comes from and the conditions with, it, with which it's made. And that's, awareness is growing all the time. And I think consumers are getting more savvy and aware and, and demanding that companies uphold standards and and that's only right. I think that's that's really important. And I think if we took it to cocoa as a good example, because mm. Fairtrade Foundation gave some really good research onto what that means this year. So they brought out a report to coordinate with Fairtrade Fortnite, really looking at the price of cocoa and breaking it down. And they found that on average, a cocoa farmer in West Africa will earn around 74 pence a day that they couldn't afford a chocolate bar in the UK for that money. Mm-hmm. But if you looked at what that meant in terms of a living income, they would only have to earn pound eighty-six a day in order to achieve a living income. And if you're a female cocoa farmer, it's even worse. Mm-hmm. You on average earn only 23 pence per day, even though we know that cocoa, female cocoa farmers do most of the work on cocoa farms. And so there's a real entrenched like poverty and gender disempowerment that's going on in supply chains. But fair trade prevents that and allows a fair trade minimum price and a premium that supports those communities. But that costs as little as two pence per bar. And I think if customers knew that and knew that that small amount of money, which is nothing in the grand scheme of things, would lead to such a massive impact for producers on the ground, they'd be willing Mm. That's my personal opinion. Mm. I think they'd be willing to pay that. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. I, uh, just just to qu- quickly kind of elaborate on exactly about the women working in coffee plantations and uh, cocoa plantations. It, there's also like the there's a cultural standard or cultural disparity with you know ideals that we have in the West, often in in places in West Africa or even East Africa, all over basically the world. There's, there's everyone has different kind of cultural belief systems as part of humanity um, but supply chains being sensitive to things like you know big pay disparity is is really crucial and there recently in Kenya one of the cooperatives have, had decided to not have the women working on coffee plantations for their husbands but to have and own their own trees so they were earning independently their own income the same 
standard of coffee, the same payment per, you know, kilo or whatever as their husbands were earning. And the, a lot of the social problems that were coming previously to this, where the husbands would take the money and they'd go into Kasumu, the local town, and spend it freely and their children wouldn't be able to go to school or they wouldn't be able to buy food, this problem dissolved and there wasn't marital issues like there were before because the women were able to earn the money for the children and the husbands didn't have to... Sh they could be, you know, slightly less responsible without the backswing. Mm -hmm. So this this incentivizing came from uh, fair trade and then also the cooperatives, you know, being able to see where they needed to make changes. And I think those sorts of initiatives are, are super important and powerful. And it's really hard if you are the... Like, how, how do you know about the social problems in East Africa unless you're yeah. kind of, you know, reading about it somewhere or do, reading studies or papers? You can't. So you have to rely on a, a, a trading... A, a, a supply standard like fair trade in order to ensure that these are these well the welfare for people not us but for other people is is met mm. for the selfish consumer maybe this isn't a priority enough but i don't think people see it this way they just don't realize yet like you said i think you raise a really really valid point there and i think if you around kind of the wider support that fair trade offers, which I really don't think is well understood. Because if we take it from a different point of view, if we think of it from mm. a food security point of view, we've just lived through such a strange time with stockpiling and situations where we couldn't get food on shelves. And I think I personally found that quite shocking, let alone, you know, someone who doesn't work for a retailer. It was a really strange time when we had to get used to the fact that we couldn't get the products that we wanted at the drop of a hat. The change in habits, so people were buying more than they would regularly, which obviously puts um, a strain on kind of your forecasting and how you an anticipate customers going are going to purchase. So it does change yeah. supply chains and obviously things from around, come from around the world and people have, you know, certain assumptions on what's going to be needed and demanded. So of course that, that changes things. But if you go to a food security point of view and you think about climate change, so you know, I've visited producers all over the world. I've been to Belize, I've been to Ghana, you know, I've, I've seen and met producers who are facing and are at the brunt of the sharp end of climate change right now. And we talk about climate change a lot. And climate change is causing huge impacts on supply chains already in those producers. And in terms of like, whether that's yeah. unpredictable pests or disease or um, unpredictable weather, things like this, which are impacting crops. Water shortage. Exactly. Really, really difficult issues if you're a farmer. So what Fairtrade also does is they have producer networks in the continent. So you have Fairtrade Africa in Africa, you have the CLAC in Latin America and Caribbean, and you have the NAP in Asia Pacific. And those producer networks are working with the farmers to help them meet fair trade standards, which help them also to have better agricultural practice. But also then they work on projects to support those farmers to deal with some of those really challenging issues that exist in the supply chain and to be more resilient. And one of the big things about this as well is around farmers globally. Um, there's a big trend in um, a lack of youth across the world wanting to become farmers, partly because of the really challenging issues of pay. 
but we have a lack of farmers um, wanting to go into global farming and you have this challenge all over the world. You have a lot of youth in developing countries going to the cities trying to find a better life because mm. uh, if without fair trade, it's such a hard life where you do not make enough money to sustain yourselves or your family, to earn an income, to educate your children. And if we don't have farmers, we won't have any food. So there's a lot of things here about also bringing dignity and respect into how people are treated in the supply chain and empowering those people to have a fairer place within the system, which is just so important. And that's what fair trade really provides. Absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's the, it's the human behind the products that we're consuming. And I feel like sometimes more often than not, we can fall into the sort of area of forgetting the human story behind everything that we consume. So how can fair trade shopping be a positive experience for both the consumer and the producer? How do we, what, what's your opinion on that, Tess? How do we kind of like move forward? And because we're talking about, you know, a lot of us aren't seeing this and how do we get their stories out there? I mean, this is a million dollar question, isn't it? Yeah. How do people understand the importance and the value in look first of all you know the provenance of the ingredients but also um food that's coming from a system which is replenishing the soil so here there's like systems of centropic in the centropic field which is basically like its own microclimate so it's feeding back into the soil but in a large on a larger kind of system of like how do we get people to engage more it has to come with education, I think, and from a young age, because consumer behavior is habitual and it's very hard to break when people get older. It's basically like saying, stop buying this, you know, change your habits, change. It's like saying change your religion because yeah. it's what we eat and how we encounter food is very personal and intimate. And I think that our relationship with it um, reflects many other things in our lives. So I think what's quite interesting, I, I guess, about the pandemic is a lot of people have slowed down and taken more time for cooking and taken more time for being in nature and things like this. Mm. So there is perhaps a greater openness to these these changes to be made now. But otherwise, like I was thinking thinking about this today, but like it's the it's the question of how do you make farming appealing? How do you make soil sexy? How do you how do you make um, nature feel new? Because it's always been there. It's always mm. been something that people have taken for granted. And also, I guess in a sense, it's it's when you think of maybe a farmer people think of the nostalgic version of what that is in the 1950s or the 60s and them sitting on their combine harvester cutting back some spelt or dinkle or whatever it is that they're doing. Um, <laughs> and I, I think that there's a certain lack of immediacy between the people who are creating our food and the people who are buying it. But yes, so kind of coming back to it, I think education from a young age, I think everything with change has to start with the youngest generation. Um, and I think that food economics would be great to come back in schools, not just teaching kids how to cook, but also teaching them about the earth, the land, nature, things like this. And that, that leads to 
having your own produce yeah. <laughs> at home, which I feel like, which I feel like people don't do as often because they think they need to have acres of land. Yeah, you don't. I mean, um, you can grow things really, really easily. Things like courgettes grow in abundance. So, I mean, yeah, it's, this is a, the, all of this is part, like fair trade specifically, I think is one of, if anyone's looking for like an entry point into, mm-hmm. not even an entry point, but it's like really like, I need to do better. I need to, you know, focus more on like food, like fair trade is, is the perfect place to research, start, look, support, because mm. it's not elitist like other um things are like organic food can be it's more expensive good farmers work's more expensive i understand all of this and it's not necessarily available for all but fair trade products are well priced they're just thoughtful of the producer exactly so, sorry i've uh, ranted on a lot no 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 that not at all and if you need an example go to your local co-op yeah great amazing oh great tea etc oh yes 100 percent fair trade <laughs> Um, Emily, can you talk about the process of getting fair trade products onto our shelves and how that works? Sure. Yeah, it's I think it's really important to remember that fair trade is an independently audited system and there's an incredible amount of trust in the system. And that's part of its real proof point of why it's it's, in our view, the, the leading ethical mark. So they have independent standards that all producers need to meet and everyone involved in the supply chain also needs to meet really strict fair trade standards, which means you can absolutely trust if it says fair trade on pack, every product has to be approved um, and labelled by the Fair Trade Foundation to ensure that um, it's it's licensed to be on shelf. So there's a level of credibility and independent insurance that the fair trade system provides. And that's something that we know that customers really trust. And so in terms of how products get onto shelf, it depends on obviously what type of supply chain you're thinking about. Where we come from with co-op, we have seven core commitments where categories where we would say we absolutely support our this is the heart of our fair trade strategy. So 100% of our tea, our coffee, our bananas, our chocolate, our bag sugar and our African roses are fair trade. And we're also the um, world's biggest seller of fair trade wine. And in addition, all of the cocoa that's used as an ingredient in our products is sourced on fair trade terms. And all of the bananas and um, the tea and the coffee that's used as an ingredient, we also ensure that fair trade producers benefit. So if you come into a co-op, you can very quickly choose fair trade products because we've got a, we've we've gone for that approach. We've just switched entire categories to fair trade. So customers don't actually have a choice. You will always be purchasing fair trade. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's because we think it's the right thing to do. We have a responsibility. We're a cooperative. And I think what's really important to remember about fair trade as well is when fair trade producers want to become fair trade and enter the system, they're often small scale farmers. And to ensure that they can do so, they they form a cooperative to make them stronger, to allow them to be certified as a group, which allows them to help each other and to organise more effectively and to be more empowered in the global system. So it's a fantastic way that Mm. we are the world's oldest consumer cooperative. And this is a fantastic way that we can support co-ops worldwide to 
flourish um, as you know an alternative business model that really puts people at the heart of what they do. Um, so it's a fantastic mechanism for supporting like that wider benefit into society and also through the fair trade system as well and the fair trade premium which is absolutely the the thing that stands fair trade apart from other other types of scheme is that there's a fair trade premium that's mm. a pot of money that goes to that that cooperative that fair trade um, premium committee that they'll have at each producer and it's allocated to them for them to choose how to spend that money in the way that they decide. Mm -hmm. And that could be for schooling, for the children in the community. It could be for adult education. It could be for housing. It could be for environmental projects, deforestation projects. And it's really trying to target those and have a wider ripple effect in that community to tackle poverty, to raise the whole community's livelihoods up. And so it's a really fantastic mechanism for having a wider change and empowering communities around the world. That's amazing. And it also doesn't just, I know we're speaking predominantly about sort of our food, but it doesn't stop there. You know, we, we briefly touched on it, but for me, I'm very passionate about, you know, where I buy my clothes from, my creams on my body. I use a lot of shea butter, um, you know, uh, my hair products. And so, you know, we are specifically talking about where our food's coming from, but it, it's it's something that goes way, way deeper than that and can go absolutely everywhere. Well, fair trade also extends to cotton as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's on non-food as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are the important conversations that we urge people to have. I feel like in another life I was a chef. And so for me, I'd like to just find out exactly where my products come from, not just ethically, you know, I'm I'm led by that. But then how am I going to use these products to create the best out of a a dish, etc.? I just think finding out the story about something is just so amazing I mean my granny who's from Jamaica would tell me stories endless stories about the things that she grew out in Jamaica from honestly the first time I went out there I was like I need to find a mango tree like I'm dying to taste like I'm just dying for it for for you Emily um how would you suggest people get a better understanding and, and where to sort of sort of go what's your experience I I personally think it's all about being curious So I think you're really right to say, like, I think it's all a journey for all of us. And I really don't like any of the kind of guilt messages that can happen when we go through the media and things like that. I think it's really about trying to shop your values and really understanding that the choices you make as a customer have a real impact. And the choices you make can either kind of empower a decision and support an organization that's doing the right thing or it can be a vote in favor against and i think it's remembering that as customers we have we are citizens too and and every you know pound we spend is a vote in favor of how a business is operating and we have a lot of choice and power in that and i think it's then about thinking a little bit and the, you're right to think about the time we've had now and and it's why I mentioned you know coronavirus and the pandemic has I think made us really appreciate things slightly differently and and in my view if we're going to build back better as the the slogan is we need to do so in a way with social justice and 
environmental justice at its heart. We need to ensure that it's a fairer world for everyone around the world. We're a global system. We're not an island in my in my point of view and we need to think differently mm. and we need we know what we're doing at the moment isn't working but we have a lot of power and and that's i find that extremely kind of exciting and i think it's just starting to be curious starting to get involved the fair trade movement is it's rock bed is about campaigners it was started as a movement by a group of campaigning organisations of the likes of Tradecraft and Oxfam because people demanded that we did something differently. This is, you know, changing global supply chain systems, you know, challenging how things were traditionally done. And that's really exciting. Look at that power that a, a bunch of campaigners have said, we demand better. And it's now grown into a movement where... Now, it was estimated in 2019, the total retail market for, for fair trade is 1.6 billion. So that's an incredible achievement. And I think shows the impact that a lot of people mm. can have when they, they make those small choices. And for me, it's then about those small choices. If you learn a little bit about tea, it's not about learning everything that I have to know in my job. No one needs to know that much. But if you learn that actually by supporting this particular mark, the fair trade mark, you ensure that a tea farmer has a better life or a cocoa farmer has a better life. You can then say, well, that's actually, that's how I'm going to choose my products from now on. I'm going to support that initiative because it resonates with me. And there's some really fantastic short videos. The Fairtrade Foundation website has amazing ones. Their Instagram, their Twitter is so inspiring. And like on our website, if you go to co-op and Google Fairtrade, we've got wonderful short videos. I'm talking a minute and a half where we've gone out and we visited banana suppliers, cocoa farmers, etc. and asked them, what does Fairtrade mean to you? And I mean, they make me emotional every time I watch them. But I think one, I think what's really key about this is storytelling. Absolutely. The power of people like us having a conversation, sharing information and, go, and knowledge and going, have you heard about this? Have you, do you think about that? You know, I, I wasn't aware of that. And it, it, the power of storytelling, and I think that's what fair trade really does. It brings the voices of people on the other side of the world who we are connected to because we're purchasing those products. We are a part of that system too and reminds us that we, we are connected and we have a power to influence their lives. Absolutely. It's, a, it's about being their ally, really. And I think you're saying you know, you're, you're watching and listening to people's stories, especially for people like me as a black woman, you know, I'd look at these stories and I could probably relate, you know, that could have been my my grandparents, my auntie from, you know, from Jamaica. I think a lot of people are missing that. And if they do just do a little bit more research and just be a bit more, you know, inquisitive and curious, you might realise that you could relate to the person, you know, the, the producer and being the consumer. And, and, and that's a beautiful connection. And, and yeah, I, I think that, that should be encouraged a whole lot more. Yeah. So how can we understand labelling better? How can we do that? Because I think um, a lot of people, like we said at the beginning of the the episode, some people may be a little confused or, you know, aware that it's good, but in things like that. How, Tess, do you think we could do better, you know, or do you think businesses and corporations could do better at labelling products? I think in terms of like food standards, it's the European Union that kind of dictates a lot of... Um, the kind of the what your product has to be in order to fall under whatever category. I think in terms of fair trade, it's quite straightforward. There's the fair trade symbol, 
um, which is quite hard to describe, but it's a very specific and Googleable symbol if you want to find <laughs> it. Um, and it's on all products and you can see it quite readily available. So I think in terms of labeling, I think it's, it's the, the amount of it that becomes confusing right. for people. So I think with fair trade, it's quite straightforward. You're just looking for the symbol and that's it. Um, in terms of what this means for the products that you buy, it, you know, this is coffee, tea, chocolate, bananas, cotton. So you can look for it on clothes as well outside of, you know, shopping for food. Yeah. And I think it's very distinguishable. So that's also why I think it's a a very accessible product for people. And, you know, talking about co-op, we're looking at the majority of the UK that has access to shops. Mm -hmm. It's not like, you know, other places which are less accessible as I said before, price point is is very considered and it's not any more expensive than a, a different branded tea or coffee or whatever. So, yeah, so it's just as simple as looking out for a symbol when it comes to fair trade. But in terms of like the, the larger scale of like organic, fair, free range or whatever, when we're looking into kind of other products, yeah, that becomes a bit more messy. Yeah, it does. I think that's why people get a, a little bit confused, isn't it? Because more often than not, they're just looking for, you know, just looking for it to be healthy. Yes, well, healthy has very many meanings. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, guys, for sharing your experience. It's lovely. I just, I wanted to end on a, on a final question for you both, because I feel like, I mean, I, I'm most definitely inspired by this conversation. And hopefully those of you who are listening to this um, episode will be. For the people that obviously want to do better and shop more ethically are finding the, their first steps of maybe doing so. For you, Emily, what would you suggest of being like, you know, we've, we've spoke about educating ourselves from a from being young. If if someone listening now is like, oh, I wish I did better, but I want to do now, what would you suggest? Uh, it's a really tough question because I don't want to guilt anyone in the, and and I want to make this really accessible. And I think what remembering that it's it's all a journey. Absolutely. Co-ops co-ops making it really convenient for you to shop fair trade really easily. Mm. So just shop at the yeah. co-op. That's <laughs> the the co-op. <laughs> I have to say that obviously we're, we're we're doing our best to try and make it really convenient and really accessible. We have small mm-hmm. stores all over the UK and you know fair trade products are prevalent mm. throughout, throughout our, our stores. I think it's really, again, like I said, it's about being curious. I think if we've been taught anything by what's been going on this year that none of us, none of us could have you know, foreseen is how connected we are to the world, how you know, interconnected, whether that be the environment, whether that be people. And we are very reliant on people across the world. And that's because of global supply chains. And I didn't always work in the food industry. I used to work in the fashion industry. But I find it absolutely fascinating learning about the pride, the attention, the care that goes into ensuring that, you know, the product you choose on shelf ends up as you should expect it. And I think no one wants to spend their hard-earned money choosing something that supports exploitation. I know that most people are want, to, want to do the right thing with how they, they choose to shop. And so just spend a little bit of time. If you're on social media, follow the co-op, follow Fairtrade Foundation, start to just dip your toe in the water and learn a little bit more about it. Watch a short video 
talk to a friend about it, you know, get involved with Fair Trade Fortnight. You can do kind of like celebratory activities. It's in February and March every year. You know, there's amazing ways that everyone can get involved. But also remember that every time you choose a Fair Trade product, you are choosing to change the life of someone else and a whole community. Mm. And those small changes that we all make have an incredible, they weigh up to a much bigger change. So I just encourage people to, to get curious. Thank you guys again so much. This has been this has been great for me. I feel like I did need to know a little bit more uh, about how to shop ethically. And I'm hoping that a lot of other people are interested or have gained a little bit more knowledge. And um, obviously for you guys who are listening, for more information on the great work Co-op and Fairtrade have been doing, as well as Co-op's commitment to ethical trading, head to coop.co.uk forward slash Fairtrade. And Tess and Emily, thank you so much thank you thank you for having us it's an absolute pleasure thank you if you've not subscribed subscribe today and don't forget to rate us in it together brought to you by co-op all views are those of our guests and not co-op